Welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeca. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here. We are ready to rock and roll. Big news coming from a lot of different sports worlds today. Um, we are not going to be talking the division round playoffs for the NFL. I'm going to get that out of the way right now. Because of this, at the time of recording... Uh, due to me and Mike's schedules, we can't record super late at night, so we're not going to know who wins both games and know who's going to the AFC and NFC Conference game. But we will have a quick hitter episode coming out like we do every year around this time for the NFC and AFC Championship games, predicting the winners and who is going to the Super Bowl. So be prepared for that. That is coming out uh, sometime this week, probably Wednesday, if I had to if I had to make an uh, announcement right now. So that's tentative the time, but there will be an AFC NFC conference championship game preview presented by the I'm Always Right Sports podcast later on this week. So stay tuned for that. You'll see it uh, on our feeds, whether it's Spotify, uh, Apple Music, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us, it'll be there. Um, but besides that, we're going to get into the NFL stuff. We're going to get into the coaching hires. We're going to get into who the Lions have hired and potentially are going to hire in the in the avenues and what you feel about that. We're going to be talking about the other teams making moves. We're going to be talking about uh, some college football information that Mike wants to throw out there because as we saw in that national championship game, it was a little bit one-sided. And these national championship games as a whole were not the barn burners we had hoped for. Um, it was a little bit kind of lackluster. It was like, all right, by the second quarter, you kind of knew who was going to win that, those games. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to be talking the James Harden trade. Uh, lots of big stuff going your way. We may even throw a little bit of wings action at you, too. Just real quick here. Just early observations from the first week of regular season action. Spoiler alert, it's meh. Uh, <laughs> um, but let's start with the NBA talk. Let's start with um, the James Harden trade. Um this is now, this is the common trend, right, in the NBA is, all right, if we're going to beat LeBron James's team, whatever team he's on, we need a, a bare minimum two, but really three legit stars to get the dub, right, in a seven-game series. And, you know, Harden even mentioned it right before he got traded. He's like, I have no confidence that we can beat the Lakers in seven games. He's like, no confidence. Like, he was very blunt. He was like, are you serious? I got the corpse of John Wall next to me here, okay? Um, so... With that being said, he is now a Brooklyn net. Brooklyn trades away like four picks, Karis LeVert and something else. They're doing some pick swaps with Houston as well. Um, it was a four-team trade. Somehow Victor Oladipo's on the Rockets now. Karis LeVert's a pacer. It's a it's a whole it's a whole thing. You know, and Houston gets a whole bunch of picks, basically. Yeah. And then even Cleveland gets some people too. It's yeah. a it's a whole thing. I don't it, there was so much Cleveland to go added after. Big men to yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to start, instead of going small ball, they're going to go, nobody can shoot. Everyone's going to be in the paint. Three-second calls all day long. <laughs> but uh, the big the big part of it, though, at least you know, immediate implications, is Harden going to Brooklyn, right? So now you got Kyrie, Harden, Kevin Durant, whole bunch of scrubs after. <laughs> John um, Uris. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, but... You know, on paper, they clearly are now the front runners in the East. It's I, I don't think you can make the argument that the Bucks or even Miami, after that twenty point beatdown by the Pistons last night, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's only a few times I've been able to say that this year, so I got to do it now. Um, they're clearly the favorites in the East now, right, Mike? Give me your first instant reactions to the trade. Um, I know we talk a lot about LeBron on this show, but it's definitely the LeBron effect in, yeah. in, in every sense of the word. Plus, Kyrie's uh -huh. kind of insane. So you needed to make this trade happen if you're Brooklyn to get the most time out of the Durant signings, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, it needed to happen. 
Give me your instant reactions on the trade. Where does this put Brooklyn for you as far as championship contender goes? Are, are they the favorite for you in the East now? Um, yes. Pro- uh, probably. Uh, but I'll get to that. Yeah. Obviously, I think the whole league kind of looked at the Lakers and went, yeah. That, that is the yeah, team. Yeah, right. And I How think do we this, beat them? And this trade, like, clarified that for everybody. Oh, yeah. Because if you thought, oh, well, maybe the Milwaukee Bucks are, you really thought some reason that the Clippers we're going to be in the second round, but all of a sudden can just beat them next year. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. Or if hey, you think Paul that, George is playing really, really good, good regular season basketball. Yes, he That is. was not the problem last year. It was just the fact that he shot two for a 50 yeah. in the playoffs, yeah. but it's fine. Or you think that the Nets are <laughs> we're going to be able to do something pre-James Harden now, yeah. I'm going to say. Um, the Lakers were clearly the favorites. Oh, yeah, it's and, not and even close. close. Yeah. Um, but historically, uh, we have seen that you need at least three to four Hall of Famers on a team to be able to beat LeBron mm-hmm. because the Spurs, Manu, Tony, uh, Tim Duncan, and then you could add Kawhi yep. if you want to, if sure. Kawhi's going to be there. I mean, and, then, will, and then Golden State, you had Steph, Clay, Draymond, if you want to add Andre Iguodala. Yep. And then the second that LeBron beat that team, they went, all right, so now we're going to get Kevin Durant right. and make it out five right, to beat yeah. them. So Kevin Durant... At least had, all-star caliber At guys. least all-star yeah, caliber right, at the very sure. minimum. Yep. Probably will be Hall of Fame talents. Yeah. Um, so now you look at this Nets team, and he went, all right, so I have Kyrie Irving, who hasn't shown up in two weeks, yep. and I have Jaron Allen, who's pretty tall. Yeah. And that's about who I have. And right. Joe Harris can shoot very well. Right. So he went, I need another guy. So LeBron has now made two teams mortgage their entire future yep. for the next five years mm-hmm. to try to win now. Yep. And it's going to be very unfortunate if they don't win now, mm-hmm. which I don't think they will win this year. Uh, yeah, but, it's, it's going to be tough. But coming out of the East, I would semi-agree with you. I think that... Early on, I've liked what I've seen from the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Simmons, Stroll Embiid have played really well together. Embiid has early. looked like a totally different guy. I don't know if the, I'm going to give – I throw a lot of shade on Doc Rivers, but I don't know if that's him or that's Embiid just going, like, we need to stop screwing around. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I, I don't know what it is either, but they're yeah. all of a sudden the Sixers mm-hmm. are playing really well together. Absolutely. I think the Bucks are still they're making there. noise Absolutely. and they're going to make noise with Drew Holiday there and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily just, like, writing the check – because my problem with the Nets, and it was before James Harden got there, and now it's going to be even bigger when yeah. now James Harden's there, is they have no defense. No. They're going to be, all right, so we're going to score 148,000 points and hope that we can just hold, outshoot, hold, you. outshoot you. Yeah. And I think the problem that will arise in is when you play guys like Giannis who can guard Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. or you play you know, the right. Sixers with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid that can actually play defense mm-hmm. on you, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to be able to score 140 points every single night. You're going right. to be down at 110, 112. Can you play the defense to hold them under that? Right. That's the problem where I go, I don't know if they can. Right. I think in a seven-game series they can right. against those teams, but it'll it's be gonna, interesting. It's, it is interesting, right? And, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, too, and I don't think this is something that a lot of people think about, and this is not a dig or anything at this, but like if we're being honest with ourselves, right, like – this this exacerbates the Steve Nash hire as a questionable hire yeah. even more because if if this happened where the same situation take the exact same team was on Miami mm-hmm. for instance right and they had a new big three okay and Eric Spolster was there I would go they're definitely my favorites to win the East and they're definitely going to give the Lakers a run mm-hmm. because their coaching is I think is a step above right yes. like if this was the Celtics if this was Dallas even if this was if this was San Antonio you go okay there are certain teams that with their coaching staff you go 
Yeah, they're going to be really stuffed up because they're going to out-scheme you along with have just as much talent as you, right? Um, you know, they're going with the mid-2000s, late-2000s Suns approach, which is we're not going to play a ton of defense. We're just going to run and gun and try to put up 1,000, and you're going to score 998, and we're going to live with that. Um I think it's going to work for a while. I, the, I think there's another problem, too, is that I don't know if there's going to be enough shots. I don't think you're going to have enough possessions to keep everyone, quote-unquote, happy because Kyrie is not a traditional point guard. He yeah. does not facilitate. He does not. He didn't do it in Cleveland. LeBron did. He didn't do it in Boston. Nobody did. That's why they didn't win anything. Um, and that's why they went and got Kemba Walker instead. And so now he's not facilitating either. And so Harden is going to have to assume that role as the point guard, quote-unquote, if that's even a position anymore. Um, you know, Durant's going to have to take his shots. He's the second best player in the league, right? You can you can make the argument. Top three. Um, you know, so he has to shoot. That's, that's what Kevin Durant does. He's the, one of the greatest scorers of all time. He's got to shoot the ball. Kyrie does great off the dribble, driving the lane and making threes. Harden is going to have to facilitate because they don't have anybody else that can. So... And defensively, you lose your best defensive big man in Karis LeVert, and it's not really close. So you're you're basically mortgaging on these three guys putting up 90 points a game. Uh-huh. That's really what you're going to have to have. And Harden is going to have to basically pull out a double-double every night. Yeah. Um, or pretty damn close. And so uh, now the two points going to make right after that before yeah. we probably move on to something else yeah. is one... Um, Am I worried about this whole Nets thing from yeah. my LeBron James Lakers team uh, <laughs> that everyone has just assigned me to now? Yeah. Um, no, I'm not. Well, you're a LeBron guy, so yes. by de facto, by de facto, Lakers, I am. Yeah. I do right, right. for the Lakers at this moment until LeBron leaves. Um, <laughs> Coming to the Pistons, baby. We're Bronny's here. <laughs> I will be happy for that earth. But um, no, I'm not worried. And the reason I'm not worried is because, like we talked about last year. Yep. Okay, so who on the Nets is going to guard AD? Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, DeAndre then, Jordan. DeAndre Ooh. Jordan, cool. And if you want to say, well, Kevin Durant, all right, cool. Then who's going to guard LeBron? Right, right. For sure. All right, cool. Okay, for so sure. That, that's, I, I and think, I think that the transition of who's going to guard Kevin Durant, I think Anthony Davis can do a pretty good job at it. And if you need, LeBron can switch over and do it. Okay, you got that. Who's going to guard James Harden? LeBron can easily guard a, a guard who's smaller than him. Yeah. And then Kyrie. You could switch people on. I, I think that's the that third that third point is the X factor. Yeah. But Kyrie hasn't played very well. No, he so, has not. No. And I and that's I will, I'm not worried I, as much. To Kyrie's credit a little bit, when he does get in the playoffs, he does turn into a different guy. Yes. Like we definitely saw that, especially in the Cleveland years. He was a different person mm-hmm. in those final series compared to earlier on. So I'm gonna give him a little bit of credit there. But to your point, right, I, I think they match up okay. I think the I think the key is going to be it's going to have to be one of those three to have that night every night, yes. basically. And if, if that's how it gets, if we get Brooklyn, L.A. in the finals, it's going to have to be, okay, Durant today had 42. Then the next day, okay, the Lakers make adjustment. Okay, now Kyrie had 35. Okay, today Harden had 30 and 10 assists and 6 rebounds. Like, whatever that combination is, somebody is going to have to explode. Yeah. And I think it's the third guy that AD and LeBron are not covering is. that is going to have to be the guy to exploit that. You're, I don't. I think you could potentially see a record amount of three-point shots. being, And that's without Steph or Clay being in the finals, be taken in the playoffs this year. <laughs> and especially sure. in the finals, be like, like you might as well not even make the just give it the arc and just just no one plays yeah, after that no because it's gonna it's gonna be insane. I'm extremely excited. I think the other thing too that we have to throw into there is is it's gonna take time for this to gel. So this was the best time for them to make this trade as early as possible. But 
they better hope that they figure out this rotation. And once again, this goes back to my point about Steve Nash. You're a great player. You know, you were a great quote unquote executive, I guess. It's really easy to look good when you've got the best team ever um, or second best team ever, if you want to throw the Bulls in there. But like, it, you, you're going to need to scheme for this. There should be at no point in time where one guy on that out of those three is not on the court at all times. Like, yeah, if you have to scheme it, you have to because I'm, your bench is depleted now. Yeah, right now, so they played their first game yesterday against yeah. Orlando. I think Without Kyrie there. Without Kyrie there. Yeah. And I think there was never a point where Harden or KD weren't on the court. Yeah. So that makes, you feel, that makes you feel very good because there was a point where Kyrie and KD, when they were playing, would be on the bench together. Right. But Harden and KD right. would split minutes and, like, take yeah. each other off. Definitely... Like how LeBron and AD do. They yep. they never are off the court at the same time. Yeah, you're going to so... have to. You're going to have to have at least one, but if not you, two. Yeah, when you have three guys there, though, it's super easy to yes. be able to have at least yes. at least one. You right. should have two, but right. it's easy to have at least one. Because mm-hmm. what the Warriors would do is, okay, we're going to have KD sit, but we're going to have Clay and Steph. Right. And then Steph goes, okay, we're going to have KD come back in. Right. And Clay's going to go, Steph's going to come back. And you always have two of the three best yep. shooters ever to be on the court together. Yep. That's what the Nets are going to have to do right. because there's going to be a point where LeBron has to go to the bench it's just AD. And if you have just AD against James and Kevin Durant, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough that's defensive be tough. And, that's, and that's the chess game within the game itself, yeah. right? Is that, is, and that if that's, can Steve Nash outcoach Frank Vogel a little yeah. bit on that point, It'll right? It'll be interesting because I don't know if Frank Vogel is Because Frank Vogel is not very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know. His we, rotations we, have been fine so far, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, we're not going to talk a lot of Pistons right now either, guys. Uh, I'm, I kind of want to wait on that. I know some people have been asking, but it, it, there's not a ton to talk about. Jeremy Grant looks great. Jeremy Grant looking, looking looking worth that $60 million, 100%. Um, but outside of that, you're not – I mean, they had yeah, a big win a couple days ago at, when you guys hear this against the Heat, but they're 3-9. They're, they're yeah. and nine. There's not a lot – they're not going to be very good, if yeah, we're being would, honest with I ourselves. I would love to – to say I could give a nice update on like Shadiq Bay, Isaiah yeah. Stewart, and Killian Hayes, but none of them play very much. Yeah, right Killian's out right now with a hip. Um, you I, know, I think Bay's be- getting rotational minutes, and Isaiah Stewart's coming along, but yeah. it's I early. Think, I think the best um, thing that could happen to the Pistons is like honestly lose the next like ten games and just start all three of those guys, yeah. and then you can, right. and then we can legitimately give updates every week yeah. and go. Oh, yeah, so Shadiq Bay is yeah, right. now 12 of 15 from three-point line. He's just right. shooting balls out or something. Like, and, and the hard was, part, too, is because they have veterans like Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, who they are trying to maintain value in and been potentially getting rid of them at some point, they have to play minutes. Yes. Blake Griffin hasn't played great so far, so it's like he has to continue to play him a lot because, A, he's your best player, and, B, because if you don't and you want to get some sort of value back for him, even if it's not this year but maybe next year, he's got to play. If he's not playing on a crappy Pistons team, what makes any contender go, oh, no, we need to get Blake Griffin here to be our seven? Yeah. It doesn't doesn't make a lot of I sense. I would say D. Rose is playing good off the bench, so yes, that's he is. helping a lot. Yeah, so. that's, it is helping for sure. So that's your small Pistons update. There's not Once again, we're 10 games in. Um, real quick before we go to college football, I do want to talk about the Wings just for a second. Sure. Um, you know, they had their opening week. Dylan Larkin, 37th captain for the Wings, right? That's a huge deal. Very happy for him. Um, um, you know, they didn't have a captain last year. They just had the A's handed out. Um, if you're a Red Wings fan, okay, I, I watched both Wings games this too. week. Um, the first game was rough. Was. Second game, you kind of started to see a little bit better. However, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put two things out there. If you watched the Wings at all last year. Um, you notice how they couldn't stop anybody. I mean, Jimmy Howard had a sub 900 percent winning percentage. Who just retired, by the way. Congratulations to him. Um, but 
Two things you're going to want to pay attention to for this Wings team. Number one, the defense is much improved. They did. They went really out of their way to to do something about that, right? They they signed some guys um, to really improve the defense, and I think you saw that in both Carolina games, right? Even the one nothing loss opening night, the, the defense looked better. However, with that being said, even though they had a four goal explosion yesterday, okay, um, the offense is going to be rough. They're they don't. They're not very big, so they're going to get muscled around quite a bit from a physical standpoint. They don't have a lot of studs back there ready to just take someone's head off like they used to. They don't have that anymore. So because of that, that's going to be have to be a little more finesse game. And so when teams are a little bit bigger that are going to kind of like push them around, offensively, it's going to be a struggle. They don't have a ton of offensive threats, developed offensive threats, I should say, to make it worth being like, oh man, this we're, we're guaranteed three goals a night. There's, you're not going to see that. It's going to be very inconsistent. It's going to be hard to do. But I like the makeup of this team a lot right now. Yeah, so I'm very far, happy with what I'm seeing from a, from a progression in the rebuild. Yeah, I'm really liking it. Yeah, I like everyone individually. They're still not gelling no. together. You yet. saw as Philippe Sedina though come out last night mm-hmm. or on Saturday night, and you know he had two assists. I know Larkin had two goals, but Sedina coming out, and you're like, okay, we just saw a flash of what we can hope to see in the future. You're gonna need to see a lot of that during the year of these young guys, even Larkin and Mantha continuing the progression. Um, where you go, okay, like we've got a core set of guys here that we're kind of hoping are now kind of coming to fruition while the rest of the roster is built. Yeah, and also I think this team actually might be a little better than I anticipated because I think their goalie play is actually very good. Watching watching a lot of those power plays from Carolina, I was talking to my friend at work because I'm not a huge hockey guy, so I was like, is Carolina just like a bad team that we were playing? And he's like, no, Carolina's like a legit, like, they were were a legit like playoff contending team and they were in a couple power plays and they couldn't, you know, no. get puck around to score. And I said that was that was. That's great my to point, see right? Is the defense is so much more improved just from early onset, right? Game one, they definitely got muscled around a little bit. You could tell. Game two, you kind of get the bounce back. I'm interested, and we're going to follow this team as the season goes on, obviously. But it, the big thing is is really just seeing the progression of these of the cornerstone pillars that you're anticipating are being going to be the guys you build upon, yeah. right? So the Bertuzzi's, the Mantha's, the Larkin's, the Zadina's, those kind of guys, along with the the rotational veterans like the Filipinos, like the Ryans, whoever, to kind of come in and facilitate the rest of this and to get us to a point where, okay, we've got a core set of guys now that we're going to build around and, and we see Eiserman's vision as yeah. a whole. So, you know, encouraging start, but prepared for – you know, one nothing losses because I think their defense is going to be much improved, but the offense is definitely not there. Yes. So it's it's going to be hard. Um, all right, let's talk college football here a little cool. bit here. Um, you know, we had the Final Four. Alabama's your new national champion um, in in a blowout fashion. Ohio State basically gave up all their cool stuff against Clemson just yeah, to spite dude. Michael and I. Yeah, it was really sad. Um, you know, Devontae Smith having a record day, or I should say record first half, because he didn't play the second half, and they still won by seven scores. Um, but you had something, though, Mike, that you wanted to talk about yes. um, from Joe Clay and, and maybe this Final Four process. Yes. Okay, yeah. So I wanted to, I've been very annoyed with this for the last, like, couple years now. Yeah. Because I think the Final Four has been rough. Yeah. Um, and I, don't, I just don't think it's a good system for college football. I think it's just ruining college football, mm-hmm. uh, plainly. So... I was. I've always been an advocate for raising from four to eight teams. I've always been like 
maybe make it eight, maybe make it six, like make it just make it more, make it more inclusive. <laughs> yeah. Because right now you see, okay, so all the five star recruits are going to seven teams because seven teams are the only seven teams that have a shot. That have a shot. Yeah. No one's ever going to go to Michigan as a five star recruit outside of this one quarterback that we got. Yeah. Because they're all basically like, all right, so Michigan can't win yeah. because they're never going to win. Right. So we're just going to go to Ohio State instead, right. and vice versa. It's all around the league right there. Um, so Joel Klett, I was, he was on the Colin Cowherd uh, show on Fox at like 12 o'clock last Tuesday, I think it was, right after the national championship. And he had an idea for a 14-team makeup. Wow. And so I wanted to get your thought. I'm okay. going to explain it all. I want to get your teams, thought. man. 14 teams. So what would happen is... Um, the first two teams to start off would get a bye. Okay. Now, to determine that, the Power Five, the winner of each Power Five conference, gets an automatic bid. You're automatically in. Doesn't matter what your record, whatever, you get an automatic bid in. Okay. Now, the best team that's not that's a non-Power Five also gets an automatic bid. Okay. So, say, your Cincinnati's, your UCF's, who are, like, undefeated. Right. They're Ooh. number eight ranked. Yeah, they were, yeah. like, the number eight ranked, but right. they were the best non-Power Five team. Mm-hmm. They get an automatic bid. Okay. And then so and then we're gonna portion those off. Those are gonna be like six teams in their own little like area for for right now. And then so to decide what seven through fourteen is, instead of having just like a ten person committee, you go back to the BCS style where you have like the media coaches, right. players, everyone just vote on. Okay, we think these are the seven top teams, and that's how you decide seven through fourteen. Okay, right. So mm-hmm. you have seven through fourteen. So you get like this year, you get like. Texas A&M, Florida, yep. Oklahoma, or Oklahoma right. one, uh, Iowa State, right. all those teams mm-hmm. would get in. Mm-hmm. Now, the top six that we talked about, the Power Five teams yep. all won and everything, those teams would get reseeded based on the exact same thing. So you'd have basically two votes going. Okay. You'd have everyone voting on these six teams, yep. ranking them one through six, and then you'd have them ranking every other team. Yes, yeah. and getting, voting who gets in and then, then also ranking them at the yes. same time. Correct. And... Um, and then, so whoever the one through six is, the top two teams will get a bye. So this year would probably be like Alabama and Clemson, yep. most likely. Right. And then the other four teams will just host. So the first round will be six games hosted at home against whoever mm-hmm. they would play ranking-wise. Right. And then once you get into the uh, what would be the final eight, I guess it would be, or whatever, yep. the final eight would be the big bowl game. So like you'd have like the Rose Bowl, you'd right. have the Orange Bowl, whatever, right. whatever, right, right. Citrus Bowl, whatever. And then you get to the final four, which would be its own inclusive like playoff. It would be all in one place, and it'd be like, all right, final four's here, and the national championship game is all going to be played in this one spot. Gotcha. And that's how you would include. I think it. Would, I personally think it's a lot better because yeah. I like the original BCS system where you had two teams. Yeah. And then because if you're a Big Ten team and you're like number ten, but you go win the Big Ten, that means the Rose Bowl means everything to you because right. like right. you're right. winning something. Exactly. Now it's like if you're not if you're Michigan, you're never getting to the final four basically. Right. So it's like what are we playing for? Right. We're really yeah. playing for nothing. But now in this fourteen team setup, I think Michigan can legitimately go if we go eleven one, even losing to uh, Ohio State or something, right. we can legitimately be the ten team. Right. And, and still get and there. still have, have a legit a shot right. uh, playing Cincinnati or playing right. somebody and having a chance right, right. to win games. For sure. And I think it's so much better. And I equate it to like college basketball because you look at college basketball, they have a sixty eight team tournament. Right. Could you imagine if college basketball had like an eighteen tournament? Oh yeah, it'd be terrible. It'd be awful because like, yeah, it'd be the you'd same never, eight teams. You'd never yeah, you'd never see anybody different. Yeah, exactly. it'd be North Carolina, Duke, Michigan State. Villanova, Villanova, yeah, all right. these teams every single year, Gonzaga. and you go, okay, so it's 
Duke every single year, probably, or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But now, since they're so inclusive, yeah. you get teams like Loyola would, Chicago coming in or the something. Only, so the, the only change I would make to this system is that it would have an impact on the regular season then. You would have yeah. to shorten it a little bit. I agree. a game or two, maybe. maybe. And honestly, that wouldn't be the worst thing, is just eliminate some of the crap games. That's, and that's just, That was the point, is right. I think you make them 10-game seasons, yeah. and you get <clears> two non-conference whatever yeah, games right. and then you play eight conference games right. or something yeah. because and I'm like I'm like I'm totally <clears throat> down because I hate when Alabama plays yeah. Ball Wake State. Forest Ball State <laughs> and whoever and I yeah. go so that's 3-0 and let's get to SEC play yeah, like, exactly. just and even the SEC you're like alright let's really let's get to LSU and Auburn and Florida please yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah no I, I'm for that I'm always I'm, I've always been a proponent of expanding it you know um, the the four it's it's difficult and I think the, the, the biggest issue with it right now is that you're seeing a dramatic 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 um, shift in like okay one versus four is an absolute cluster yeah. usually right and it's like all right this is and we've seen two versus three be blowouts and the national championship games are blowouts yeah. now too and I think you're not getting the quality of play and because of that and because of some of these other teams like Cincinnati's the UCFs the Western Michigans from a few years ago they're undefeated and they're like I can't get higher than nine. You yeah. mean to tell me I can't get higher than nine? I win my conference, all this stuff, right? Or, you know, I, I go out and I'm competitive against these other teams. You know, um, it would eliminate that as well, yes. for sure. It would let teams like Texas A&M, who maybe didn't win the SEC, be like, hey, we still got a really good shot. Florida, Oklahoma. I know yeah. they won the Big 12, but, like, yeah. Oklahoma, you know, having two losses but still being in there, be like, yeah, but they can still technically make a run. And, yeah. and you could see those those stories. And you, I feel like you would definitely get to the point where, like, this is a true – national champion yeah, and a I little think, bit better. I think when you only have the four, so I think there's been like 10 teams out of the 200 yeah, Division right. One teams that have actually been right. in the Final Four in seven years. Right. I think that's insane. Yeah. Where I think if you had 14 teams every year, you wouldn't see, all right, everyone's just going to go to Alabama. Right. Because cause now it's like... Because now I'm it's a, an open playing field. It's yeah. like we have a shot. All we got to do is get in. If we can yeah. get in, then anything can happen. Yeah. If I'm a recruit now, I'm like, listen, I could go to Michigan now because right. if Michigan's a good like good yeah. program they're ranked in the top 10 it's like hey listen yeah. all i need is the shot yep. and then maybe if you get the right matchup where you play like yeah cincinnati in the first round you go we beat cincinnati we can get on a roll maybe we can cruise too yeah we can get to that we, final four we, we right. can get to the final four and now you're, it's basically a play in to the final four mm-hmm. so it's not lessening like the final four it's just like now now it's like prove that you're in the final four right it's like if the nfl went all right so we're just going to take the top two teams and records yeah in afc and nfc and just put them in that's not always the case sometimes right. you get the six c who makes the super bowl yeah. like yeah exactly. and you miss those opportunities if yeah if for sure it's absolutely yeah no no kidding right like and you know. i think this system doesn't lessen actually i think it makes the regular season and the college football or not uh the like the Big Ten championship game mean more because yeah. if you're Northwestern this year, right, you'd have probably been in this 14 team. Or you'd would, be yeah. in the 14 team team, or you'd be at least playing. Be like, if we win, we get an automatic bid. Right. This year, Northwestern's like, so I'm playing for. I, okay, we're playing for the Big Ten championship game. That's cool. Yeah, but, but after, after that, that it's like I'm, you're going to a, I'm going to the potato bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and that's and that's the thing too. It would definitely heighten the the importance of the regular season, and it would not immediately, if you lost a game, take you out of it either. That's a big thing too. Where yeah, you have two losses, it keeps people invested. Okay, Michigan loses 
to Penn State. Okay, cool. All right, all right. So we lost to Penn State, which means that we basically got to win out and then hope either that Ohio State drops one or something to where, okay, we may not be in the Big Ten Championship game, but we're still in the top 15 yeah. and make the argument. So there's definitely something there. I think it would force teams that are out of the you know the, the power fives to, to schedule a little bit more difficult schedules as well. Mm-hmm. So you go, okay, like you're going to need to show me something to get into here mm-hmm. and if or unless you run the table. So Because yeah. right now you're never going to see a team like Cincinnati or Boise State or any of these teams get in the final four unless they're winning every game 50 to nothing and, and running the table completely. And even that. And even like, that, you're like, you better hope that they play well against a Bama, a Clemson, Ohio yeah. State, or whoever. Because if not, it's never going to happen again. I, I'd be for it, for sure. I, I, I think that there definitely needs to be some improvements made upon it. Um, I know a lot of people just want the eight team thing. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's that's tough. Because um, I think the eight team thing, you're not going to move much past the same seven. Teams. I could see them going to six and having oh, the top and having yeah. the top two get a buy right yeah. automatically, and then those four teams. Yeah. I could see that more like as like a we're going to expand it, and then we get two more teams. And I go, okay, cool. So Texas A and M and. Yeah, you know, in Florida, and like, oh, okay, great. So they can just get steamrolled again, or, or yeah. Oklahoma gets it. So it's it's still the same pool of teams that would yeah. be making it every year anyway. You just expanded it. And yeah, I think more, I, I, I got two more games on. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think you either have to expand it or get rid of it. Because if you get rid yeah. of it and you go, okay, so we're gonna have Alabama, Clemson play in the championship game, but now Ohio State's playing in the Rose Bowl right. against somebody. That's like. Michigan's like, hey, I want to play in the Rose. Like that was always yeah. like the big thing was oh, yeah, getting yeah. to a Rose Bowl game and winning yeah. the Rose Bowl for the for Big like, Ten teams for the Big Ten teams or yep. whatever. But now yeah, it's become. I don't. I don't want to go back to the BCS era for for deciding who's in the national championship game because yeah. that that then you get into a situation that Michigan was in. I know it seems like like a long time ago where they it definitely should have been playing Ohio State in the national title game, but because they lost to Ohio State by four, and now somehow Florida overlaps them, yeah. and you're like, okay, but you're clearly not. And I, I get it, Florida won, but the point is, is that on paper you were not the two best teams in college football. It was still Michigan and Ohio State. It should have been a rematch, but. Regardless, so there's that. Okay, um, I'm for it though. I think that's awesome, personally. That's a great job, Mike. I think that would be definitely something that I think a lot of college football fans would be interested in. And I think once again, you would have more interest longer term because mm-hmm. if Michigan lose two games, there's no point in watching the rest of the season because you're like they're out of it. They're not going for anything. Cool, we made a bowl game. We're playing the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. No one cares. Um, so I'd be definitely for it. All right, let's talk some NFL news here. Um, lots of stuff to go over. Let's talk Lions first. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> Um, all right, so Brad Holmes is the new general manager. He was the uh, co- uh, director of college scouting for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, you know, we talked at nauseum about the potential candidates, right? That that were potentially in. They were going after some big fish. I know they talked to Kevin Colbert uh, through some back channels. You know, he's probably going to stay. Obviously, uh, John Schneider signed an extension. That was another guy they were linked to. Ed Dodds. There's a lot of different people. Okay. Anyway, they they they. they they signed him, all right, he's got a five-year, I think it's a five-year deal, um, to run this football team. Give me your initial thoughts on him. I'm going to give you some pros and negatives on it. I've been doing a lot of deep diving on this. I don't know if you see my activity on Facebook, but I've been very much like, oh, you're not even on Facebook, but um, I've been very much like, like ear to the ground on a lot of this stuff. Um, so I have some takes, but I just want to get your thoughts on it first before yeah. I go on my little tangent here. Uh, I think it's... Uh, well, see, I don't know much about him yeah. uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I do know is that so he was the director of the college yep. scouting yep. for. So he was basically the whole draft component exactly. of the Rams. Yeah, exactly. And if you know anything about the Rams, from 2017 to 2020, they had no first round picks. Yep. However, they found 13 starters that had played this yep. past divisional round yep. through the draft through seven or the second. Let me put it this way: round. they played on Saturday. I know they lost, yeah. but they won. They played. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I will 
argue that. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will say that is great that yeah. we have a guy who can actually find talent in the draft. However, I would argue that Bob Quinn wasn't also awful at finding talent in the draft either. Correct. But like you look through this roster and you go, you had Kenny Galladay, Deshaun Hand, yep. Amani Rurie in the fifth round. Like you, yep. you found pieces through the draft. Also. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I don't think no that, that that doesn't change for me. The thing that, and I'm not going to write him off necessarily because, but he doesn't have much experience. Is the player. Um, what would you call it? The, the, player, pro, the pro personnel? Yeah, the pro personnel. Yeah. And actually just like knowing what to do with the roster. Yeah. Because what Bob Quinn would be doing is, all right, so we're just going to trade Quandre Diggs or we're going to trade right. this guy away and this right. guy away when they were actually like useful pieces to the right. team. And it wound up hurting them. And it hurt them long term. Right. Where I would, I like that's the part of his GM is I want to see him actually make moves to improve yep. the initial and free agency because I don't think Bob Quinn was very good in free agency. No. Um, that was a rough guy. You look, you look at guys On paper like, it looked great but yeah, on paper it was rough. On paper you go guys like, but you brought in like Jesse James who yep. his first year was rough, rough. Even, you yeah. brought in Danny Amendola who you're like could be like Cole Beasley except was like Slow. a quarter of Cole Beasley <laughs> yeah. and then you brought in like Vitae who's a pretty rough rough right tackle yeah. so free agency I want to see better yep. and just like player personnel I want to see work better yep. but the draft where he's an expert at I didn't think we would have much of a problem in any way yeah. so I was I think, like I, that's I, why I thought the hire was like okay but I don't mm. think you did much there's, there's, two, there's a couple points to that right number one um, I didn't mind Bob Quinn's drafting on the whole, yeah. I thought it was a lot better than Mayhew's because you could have a whole Mayhew draft completely be cut by two years in. That's not yeah, good. Yeah, I was right? like twenty seventeen. Yeah, like okay, Jared Davis is drop, but he's probably gonna be on the roster this year. Just accept it. Um, you know, Tease Tabor, that was a miss, right? Um, you know, so, certain players you just go, you know, even Ashan, you really can't say was a hit. You know what I mean? I know he's playing for the Rams now, but rough, yeah. right? Uh, but there is there is some you know Taylor Decker quality left tackle, right? Joe Dahl finding him late. Tracy Wall. There were players yeah, that he's Jonah definitely... Jackson. Jonah Jackson, right? They knew it. You know, but with the free agency, too. Okay, you signed TJ Lang. Was terrible. Rick Wagner, terrible, right? You know, I mean, Devon Kennard, he was okay. Christian Jones, god-awful. Vitae, no better than Wagner. Jesse James, terrible. Um, some of these people that you're bringing in, right? You know, I'd say outside of pretty much Trey Flowers. I mean, Trey Flowers, is, I think, has played really well for us. But regardless, a um, couple thoughts here. Number one... The, the if you're looking for a positive, and this is the biggest one I think in my mind um, from a drafting perspective, and you hit on it a little bit right. They haven't had a first round pick in a long time because they traded away to either for Jalen Ramsey, they traded to get Marcus Peters, they got it for Jared Goff, whoever. Right? Can we both agree that Jared Goff is average, even maybe below average a little bit? No, at I times. wouldn't say below average. I'd say if you're gonna say I think he's average, I think he's good though. Okay, I'm gonna say he's average. Okay. Sure. So, the biggest complaint that I think a lot of Lions fans have had, mm-hmm. right, is that um, you, you, you've had Stafford, right? And I think a lot of the resentment comes to Stafford here because they haven't built a winner around him, right? The Rams have been able to draft and assemble a roster around Jared Goff to become a playoff contender every season in a very crowded NFC West with San Francisco, Seattle, and even Arizona, okay? That for me is the number one takeaway that is that is the most optimistic take I can have on this is the fact that they are building around a average quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'd say he's right around the twelve to sixteen range of quarterbacks. Yeah. Would you agree on that? Yeah. Okay. So he's average. He doesn't do anything particularly great. He's really good in play action. Outside of that, he's just a quarterback. He's a guy. Okay. And they gave up a lot for him, which is another thing. But the point is, is that they got a guy and they built a team to 
help him and elevate him and not made it so that the quarterback has to do everything, a la what the entire Detroit Lions franchise has done for the past 10 years. So if that is, for me personally, the biggest takeaway I have from, from this guy and the way that they have built their roster is that they have built a team around Jared Goff to help him and accentuate the positives and hide the negatives, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Matt Stafford is going to be the quarterback for the Detroit Lions next year. I, If I had to bet money on it right now, I would say yes. Much to the dismay of everybody at 97 won the ticket and your asinine comments, I'm guessing he's probably the quarterback. Um, but if he's not, right, I think there's a little bit of a concern on a quarterback evaluations. I don't think Jared Goff is super great. However, looking at what Carson Wentz has done, you know, and I mean, Dak Prescott fell in the fifth round, so everyone passed on him five times. So that quarterback class was rough, and they needed a quarterback, and and they got to a Super Bowl. So I'm not going to I'm not going to skewer him on that, but it's a bit shaky. But the negative part of it of this is is, um, is twofold. Number one, they went in saying they wanted experience um, at one of these positions, and we're going to talk about the head coaching potential hire in a second. They kind of went away from that a little bit, right? They didn't go with an assistant GM. He's never he's never led a room. He's never led a building. Um, everything we're hearing, he's a great guy. You know, he, he you know all that good stuff. He's a great leader. Blah 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 blah. Right? All the intangibles that every NFL person says. Um, but he's never led a building, right? The experience is not there. Um, and you know, the, there are some draft tendencies the Rams have taking running backs way too high. But the Lions have done the same thing for the past twenty years. Um, but I think this is an okay hire. I think it's okay to good. Um, you know, the scouting. If you're, if we're going to be consistent, if we're going to see consistent hits in later rounds where we can get rid of overpriced veterans and place them with rookies like they've done in in, in LA, I'm going to be all for this, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to see it pretty quick here. Drafts coming up quick. It's it's going to be here with the way the combine is going to be this year, where it's like going to be regional and stuff. It's going to be all hands on deck this year. Um, I'm excited tentatively about it. I think the biggest thing that's coming from this is that it's no longer an authoritative kind of building like it was apparently when Bob Quinn was there and Matt Patricia where it was like, no, 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 this is how it's going to work and you're just going to fall in line and do with it where there's going to be a little more open communication, which is good. And the Rams have built a good team. They are a good football team. They're competitive. They they made the playoffs. Hell, they beat Seattle last weekend. Um, They're a good football team. And a lot of that goes to the scouting, especially without having first-round picks. Finding talent in late rounds is so imperative because then you're not spending the money on these high price for agents and you're able then to make moves to get a Jalen Ramsey and and know that it's going to be okay because we're still going to be able to draft and find talent. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with this, right? I know he's not the sexiest pick in the world and that's going to be a trend I'm going to talk about again here in a second, but I, you got to give it a chance, okay? It's it's This is the first time really that we have seen a legitimate process occur for the Detroit Lions because when they hired Bob Quinn, they hired, interviewed three guys, Sheldon White, Trent Kircher, and Bob Quinn. And they didn't even interview him. Ernie Corsi did. And they said, hire him. And they went, okay, right? So, and the guy before that, Martin Mayhew, was an assistant for Matt Millen, okay? So that didn't really, that didn't do anything. And then, obviously, Matt Millen. So this is the first time in like 20 years that they have actively went out and did a full search, left a lot of stones, overturned and they, they they think they found the right guy so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and saying that they they had a real good process from all reports that we got to give it a chance at it i'm interested to see what he says at his press conference and all that good stuff okay then we got it out of the way let's talk head coach so 
Um, I don't even know how to phrase this. I guess all reports for right now yes. are that Dan Campbell, the assistant head coach slash tight ends coach for the New Orleans Saints, is going to be our new head coach. He's a former Lion, weirdly enough, played tight end for us. Um, so with this hire or potential, now I'm going to put the caveat. I have read reports that there is a second person in the mix for that. If I had to put money on it today, as of this recording, I would say that that other person is probably Marvin Lewis. Um, the reason being, once again, I'm going to go back to this whole, they wanted experience. Now that's where the Dan Campbell one to me is a bit confusing because Dan Campbell doesn't have very much experience. He had a five and seven run with Miami um, and it, like it was five and seven, so clearly not great. Mm-hmm. But that's this really only had coaching experience. He almost got the Colts job two years ago before Frank Reich got it um, as well. By all accounts, we're hearing that players love him and that like everybody in Detroit is going to be super excited to have him as a player, which he better because he doesn't have any play calling experience at all give me your thoughts mike if dan campbell i'm gonna gonna keep saying if because they haven't offered him a contract he haven't met him in person yet he's just the leading candidate that all all reports are pointing to he's gonna be the guy and they're just waiting for the saints to get eliminated or whatever (laughs) so if that's the case give me your thoughts on it we're gonna talk about the sala stuff in a second but give me your thoughts on if he is the guy which if we're betting it probably is your thoughts um i honestly have very little thoughts on it um because i just don't know like yeah. he's he's a he's the assist- most he's definitely like one of you're like all right yeah. i guess he's the yeah. assistant head coach slash tight ends coach yeah for the saints who the tight ends are fine yeah. for the Saints. jared cook was a pro bowler and last ass- year and but then kobe a- fleener was awful so yeah. it's like mm. and he's an assistant to sean payton which right. is like could be a good thing but yeah. also if you're the assistant how much are you really doing? Like, right. like when you look at everyone else, right? So you look at like the guys like Robert Sala. You go, he is the defensive coordinator for that team. Right. Who has a great defense, so you know what you're getting from him. Right. You Eric Bieniemy is you know under a little under the tree from Andy Reid, yep. but you kind of know what he would bring, kind of thing, yep. right? Even Matt Patricia, you go back and you go, we kind of we knew what he that he brought exactly with the Patriots. Stupid Patriots defense so, is awful. Yeah. But anyway, um, so but under this, this has like the most question mark because I go. Do you, like, can you bring in good coordinators? We don't right, know. Right. Can, can you? Do you know X's and O's? We don't know because right. you were the assistant to a head coach. You're not even a coordinator. You were the assistant. And that, and that, I think is. And the, I just it, go. I don't know. This is the part where I think Lions fans are the most concerned with this hire 100%. is because there is not tangible evidence to point and say, okay, he is responsible for this, right? Yep. He is responsible for that. Um, you know, like if, if Robert Sala got hired, you go, okay, we're going to somehow bring this Niners defense here. Right. Okay. Um, we're going to bring the Kansas city offense here. We're going to bring the Tennessee offense here. If they hire Arthur Smith, whatever the case may be. Right. There is definitely a point to that. Um, the, the, the flip side to that is twofold. Number one is as being the assistant head coach, right. I'm assuming because he's not calling plays that he, he is definitely managing a lot, right? Mm-hmm. He was, he is very much delegating. He is very much being a leader. And based off of everything the Lions have said, that's exactly who they wanted. They wanted a guy who was a leader, who was a, a tremendous, a, a tremendous guy and a, a person that players like. That's, I think what they wanted and what they valued is they valued leadership and they valued um, a guy that was going to come in and really be a, a standout in, you know, like in the building, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's what they tried to, I think that's what they're trying to accomplish here. I think it's, you know, the, the getting the way from the experience part is my only question mark on this, right? Because 
I, I don't know. He his his tenure here is going to rely solely on the coordinators, right? Because if he brings in Wade Phillips and Anthony Lynn to be our offensive and defensive coordinators, I'm going to go, okay, cool. We, we've got some solid-ass building blocks coming in here, right? Um, if he brings in two guys that nobody's ever heard of, not saying it's bad, but you're like, all right, well, not off to the best start necessarily, right? So there's a little bit of, there's uncertainty, and I think that is the hardest part for the Tigers because there's no tangible evidence to go, he had a top five defense before he came here. He had a top five offense before he came here. Hell, he wasn't even special teams coordinator. Something to, to point and go, okay, this is his specialty. But I don't think the Lions were looking for somebody with that specialty. And I think the reason why is because, A, they are basically trying to do whatever they can to go complete opposite of what they did last time, right? Patricia coming in, okay, his defense guy's going to bring this defense here. We got a decent offense, right? Stafford's here. We're going to make this run. And the defense has never been worse. So I think they're looking at it and go, okay, maybe you don't need to be the defensive guru, the offensive guru. We need a solid leader who can build a solid staff to get us where we need to be. And I think that's exactly the same reason why Marvin Lewis is probably still in consideration for this job is for the exact same reason. Is he he was able to bring in good coordinators, he was able to build a solid staff, and he was able to turn around Cincinnati. Um, the Dan Campbell thing, I'm not going to shit on it, but I'm not going to praise it either because they kind of went back and said that they wanted experience and they didn't do either one for either position if that's the way it's going to be. Um, there is a small note that Dan Campbell may have made some homophobic slurs back when he was at Texas A&M. Um, I don't really want to get into that, but at the same time it's like, all right, you know, like I get it, like n- bad, <laughs> like where you understand. Um, and I'm sure he'll answer that question pretty much in his introductory press conference because that's the way Detroit media is, is that they're going to immediately try to crucify this man before he even steps foot on the field. Um, but I don't know. That's that's the thing. I will say this. I'm, I'm, I'm not as mad about this as I would have been about somebody else like Arthur Smith, and I'll tell you why, is because I think that Arthur Smith – all of his success has come from having Derrick Henry in the backfield, and that is a that's a luxury that we don't have here. So I think I think a little bit of that too. Even the Eric Bieniemy's, who may not even get a head coaching position here uh, at any at any team, is is that you're not bringing some of this talent with you. So how much of it is scheme, and how much of it is well, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, let's talk about some of the other head coaching hires though around the league here. Um, ones that you like, ones that you don't like, ones you don't get, ones you're like, okay, that makes sense. All right, let's talk about the, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Robert Sala going to the Jets. Um, you know, great hire for the Jets. Fantastic. For the Jets. Um, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if that defense is gonna translate over though. A little bit. I think there's a little bit. I think there's a lot of work to be done, especially in the secondary for them. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But I just think they have so much draft capital. That oh yeah, they're in, yeah, in they're, they're years, loaded. Yeah, in for two sure. years they're gonna have. It's either gonna be really good or really bad. Yeah, they're gonna have <laughs> eight rookies in there. Yeah. Probably five or six of them will be defensive guys. Yeah. Who are you're either gonna be like, yep, and if he hits on four or five of them, they're gonna be right up there with Miami mm-hmm. and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And if he misses on all of them, then he's an awful hire, and, and they're gone. gonna be in the and same then he's out. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really hit or miss on these two drafts that are coming yeah. up because he has like. Eight first-round picks yep. in the next What do they do with Sam Darnold? There's a lot of questions. Yeah. I do want to mention this, too. Um, if Dan Campbell is the hire for the Lions, I think that having the question mark with Matthew Stafford, whether or not he is going to be here, did not help them in no. this particular scenario, okay? Um, I know a lot of people want to see him traded. Uh, you can make the argument to say that he should or shouldn't. I don't really want to get into that unless it actually happens yeah. because there's no point in talking about if ands, and buts, and coconuts because that's what it would be at that point. So um, we're going to hold off. If he does get traded... Fine, let's talk about it. But sure. until that happens, I, I, I'm assuming that he's going to be the starting quarterback in 2021. 
I, I'm taking the assumption because I don't think they want the cap hit. That too, right? Nineteen million dollars. Nine, Nineteen so. million dollar cap hit. You're you're gonna need to sign some people because um your defense needs to be completely redid. that's literally the only if he if he had yeah. like a very low cap hit, I would not be shocked at all if he right. gets traded. But with but the no no cap Mike, hit, it's I'm so like, easy just to trade guys, don't you know? Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like you 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 are you're immediately allowed to make a trade on draft day and make trades because other teams always want to do business yeah. all the time, one hundred percent of the time. Uh, yeah. that's how we live. Yeah, if you didn't know that. Okay, um, Robert Sala going to the Jets though. Great higher for them i think that's a culture move 100 percent, right getting a guy to completely erase what the hell adam gates just did for the past two years um i don't think there's been more optimism about the jets probably in a long time yeah. with, with this hire on paper yeah no it's a it's a very good hire for them yeah. and like i said they hit on their draft picks they'll be exactly where it'll be cra- you know what's crazy about yeah. that is new england, is the, worst new england could be the worst team in the afc yeah, i know right in literally like two years how crazy is that right bill check retires that's nah, screw it yeah. <laughs> um Thoughts on Arthur Smith going to the Falcons? Uh, that's when I have the least yeah, I don't have thought any in or in interest. I just go, it'll be good for them. Uh, they get an offensive-minded guy. Whatever they want to do with Matt Ryan. Atlanta is as close to a situation, that's except with are. a little more talent than what we are, yep. is where they have an aging quarterback, and they have talent places, but not a lot of talent. Yep. And they're like, what are we going to do? And... Yeah, it's you interesting. Julio, you got to figure out what you're gonna do with Julio too. Exactly, Julio. You have like Calvin, and you have yeah. like some pieces, but it's not all right there. Yeah, exactly. So you, and you, and you do have the the praise kind of like what the Lions have, where you have a team that's really really good in your division, mm-hmm. so you're not really expected to just go Come thirteen out, and right. three. Like if you were, in you're like gonna a, have time. Yeah, if you if you were in a bad division, like if you're in the NFC East or something, then you'd be like, all right, you you can get seven wins, right, with this <laughs> roster, but like. But like with the Saints and Bucks there, you're like, yeah. If you if you get to like six wins and stuff, yeah, you're yeah. good. Yeah, you know? exactly. you're, I don't expect you to beat those two. It's it's tough. Like us with the Packers, like it's like the Packers are doing really good. So Dan, can you don't? Like, yeah, could you win eight games? Yeah, can we can, go five hundred? Can we go five hundred yeah. and then start building yeah. it as the Packers are falling? Can right. We, yeah. Can we like, start to get to the point where we can be competitive again? Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's Absolutely. Kind of one of those things. Um, yeah, that one's the one I have the least amount of confidence in, quite frankly, just because yeah, I I've, I've never seen him call plays without Derrick Henry. But it's really easy to have a two thousand yard rusher back there. Yeah. Play action works a hell of a lot better when you got to stack the box every play. Yeah. Um. So that is the one concern. If you had one for them, is that Are you just burping on freaking things? Yes, Good I am. lord. Um. Who I'm burping all okay. over all Urban Meyer to the Jags. Um. It's, it's going to be fun to watch, um, regardless, I, I've right? I've never been more excited to watch the Jags. If they draft Trevor Lawrence... Now, if, if they... If, they're if, going to. If, <laughs> let me put this. I will eat a shoe on live YouTube if they don't draft Trevor Lawrence. Because that is the most Jacksonville Jaguar move ever. Yeah. And the Jet, every Jet fan goes, we got to take him, right? And then they go and take the tackle or some shit. And then they're like... Oh my gosh, the, the Miami can somehow take it. And the Miami, Miami does it because they, they need a receiver. And they're just, exactly. It's like the movie in the draft. It goes dra- to Atlanta, and right. we're like, oh, all right, that's awesome. It's like draft day when that quarterback was like the best quarterback, yep. and then you find something yeah. wrong with him, and he just goes. And then New, like New England trades up for him, and you go, and they're back. <laughs> anyway. But um, no, that won't happen. Trevor Lawrence will go number one. Yep. Um, and it's going to be fantastic. I'll I'm be so, so excited because so I got Urban Meyer there. Jacksonville's going to be wild. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be there. It's like my dream come true. I know. If only he could be a lion. Yeah, that would be no an kidding. ultimate dream come true. He's, he's talking about bringing Scott Linehan in as his OC, so you know he's going to be throwing the ball. Hot oh, ton. <laughs> hey, all oh, they ton. got is weapons there. He's bringing, he's bringing that uh, you know, 2008 offense, or Lions offense or 2009 Lions offense coming in. Yeah. That's what Linehan and Schwartz came in. But, um. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Trevor. I think it's going to be interesting for sure, right? It's it's one of those things where like, can he do it? He's the he's the last real big name head coach to have as much success as he had in college football to not make the jump. So he's making the jump. He's got tons of picks, tons of capital, tons of cap <laughs> you space. You have everything you need. Yeah, like you you really you really do. That I will say this: Jacksonville, for whatever reason, has always got a ton of cap room, and you don't even know how because they sign these massive contracts and then. They all flail and die in two I years. Know, it's, it's like crazy. weird. It's weird. I don't get it. Um, who else got? Who else is? Uh, who else is going places? Um, let's just, let's do some assumptions here. Brian Dable going to the Chargers probably God, gonna probably gonna be the thing. Yeah, I think it's gonna be that is. It's got potential to be really really well. That's basically like, the, from like day one. That's like the perfect. Yeah, if you want to talk about like perfect fit, mm-hmm. like you're basically just going. Josh Allen to Justin Herbert, and you're basically just getting a younger. Is he? Yeah, he's younger, younger version of what Josh Allen does, yep. and you just kind of get like not a better team, but a similar team. Like yep. it's like, just like a perfect little transition. It's almost if if Houston had more talent, Eric Bieniemy to the Texans, but Texans don't have as much talent, yep. like nearly as much. Yep. But like you're just like man, all right, so Herbert can throw the ball wherever you need him. He's got weapons. Yep. You have a pretty good defense and a young defense too. Yep. You got like Derwin James, Joey Bosa. If he can bring in a good D coordinator, that team is going to be humming really quickly. Really quickly. Yeah. And the Chiefs are going to be like, oh wait, so we have actually a team that we have to compete against now yeah, in no our kidding. division instead of just going six and zero every year. Yep. Now we actually have to compete against the team who's going to be a playoff team every year. Yep. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a big fan. It's Justin be, Herbert's the man. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to, to see that combination. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see him on the sideline too, though. Yeah. He's, he's you know he's been in the booth this entire time as a coordinator, so it's going to be interesting there for sure. What if he's just a head coach from the booth? That would be crazy. He's just like, hey, yell at that guy. <laughs> yeah, he gets Put him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk to him ASAP. Like in college, when you see him talk on the phone, and the coordinator's up there just yelling at him. Yeah. Like, why did you throw that? I'm sorry, coach. Goes, I didn't see the I didn't see the corner there, coach. <laughs> um, who else? Who else is out there? Okay, Houston. We don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yet. Reports are indicating that Leslie Frazier, the Bills' defensive coordinator, is is in the lead there because they the haven't interviewed Eric Bieniemy. They haven't interviewed Brendan Staley, the defensive coordinator from the Rams. Who I know the Lions, some Lions fans are really hoping that he could potentially get an interview. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen, so we'll keep you updated on that. But um, this is the team that's it's clearly the worst position in football right now because yeah. Deshaun Watson's going to be gone. Well, and sh- he's going to force their hand. Yeah, it's shot for me from like the third or fourth best position to definitely like dead last. It's not even close. And, and the problem is they're going to take a massive cap. If, if he does not play and he just decides I'm not coming back yeah. and sit, even if he just sits out because they don't trade him, like it, it's, it's catastrophic because there's no talent on that team right yeah. now. None. Yeah. So that, that turns in instantly to the worst job. Maybe yeah. of like ever. Like right. it's like, you, you it's have a, rough. You have a, I mean, everyone talks about talk about the Fords being a bad owner. Uh, Mr. McNair is a terrible owner yeah, of the Houston. Yeah. yeah. He's rough. Um, you don't promise your franchise quarterback that you're going to include him in the process and then go, by the way, none of your suggestions were taking. Like, this just doesn't work, yeah. right? Like, you didn't even entertain it. Um, you know, he wanted them to interview Robert Sala. They went, nah. They wanted him to interview They wanted to interview Eric Bieniemy. They went, nah. Here's your, give me three people we want to interview. All right, we'll rip that up. Yeah, exactly. Right, Here's definitely we're not going to interview now just because, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, that's going to be difficult. Um, who else am I missing? Oh, the Eagles. Is that the last one? Yeah. Did I have Wait, else? no, you're... Who am I missing? No, that might be just Eagles. Yeah, Eagles six, right? six vacancies I think plus so. the Eagles. Yeah. So, um, if I am missing, I don't think I'm missing anybody. Am I? No. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm gonna go with no. For yeah. Now. Okay. If, if I did, if I did miss one, I'm sure you'll let me know. Um, the Eagles one. The Eagles one's interesting because they're all over the board. They want to interview Brandon Staley. Um, they want to interview Lincoln Riley. Um, I don't. I don't really have a 
a person to even map to them right yeah. now because they, they did this so late with Doug Peterson being let go, um, which I think is a little bit unfair. I think he was just going to quit, quite mm-hmm. frankly, so they went, ah, screw it. Um, I don't know because if you're looking at a coach who was not helped at all by the last two drafts, you're looking at the Eagles because um, none of their draft picks have hit. Jalen Rieger, where, where are you at? None of your free agents have even hit, right? After that Super Bowl, they've done nothing to improve this team at all. So, yeah. I mean, who's a guy for you that's going to go, like, I, if Lincoln Riley makes the job, that's I'd it. be excited just yeah. because I'm like, okay, him. and But, like, you, it's Carson Wentz because if not, they're going to take, like, a $50 million, like, they got $50 million guaranteed to that guy. Like, yeah. that's, like, so they're not getting rid of him, and they're yeah. saying they're not going to get rid of him. So it's like... Yeah, what do you I, do? I would say it's either Rinkin Lyle or Bra- or Brandon Stanley from the yeah. what the Rams. Yeah, he's a decent. I, yeah, I think I think it's one of those two. Um, I think it'd be fun, but then like you said though, I would I would expect Jalen Hurts to get the start with Lincoln Riley because they were the Oklahoma guys or whatever. Right. But then it's like so you're paying your backup quarterback twenty five million dollars a year to sit there. God, that is the best job in the world. Right oh there. my gosh, I know, right? Yeah, oh I don't know why. God. I don't even know why he's so upset. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you do, right? Like that is a. That's a that's a tall task yeah, going going into yeah, that's, that. That's that's one I I do not know. That in Houston, I, just I think I think it. Philly's a tough job to project too because they don't. What are they? They're not. They're clearly not embracing a rebuild. But I kind of feel like they need to. A lot of the, like you don't know if Zach Ertz is going to be there. Lane Johnson was hurt. Jason Peters is awful this year. They, they didn't want to bring him back, but they had to. Um, you don't know what Carson wants. Is Carson wants the guy? They're saying he's the guy, but clearly he's not because you started Jalen Hurts for half the year. Is Jalen Hurts the guy? I didn't see enough on him to go, yay. I, I mean, he was good, but he didn't blow blow my doors away, yeah. right? I would like to see Carson Wentz with like a receiver before. Yeah, I just got, a receiver. Yeah. Just one. Like when, when the Lions have Travis Fulgham as their fifth string receiver, right. and that's the Eagles' first starting receiver. Yeah. I, I kind of want a little better than that before I can write Carson Wentz off. No but. kidding. Good lord. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very interesting for sure. Real quick, if Deshaun Watson does get traded, where is he going? You think he goes Miami I and they agree. and they flip him with Tua? Yeah. Ah, oh, that would be so great. That would be hilarious. Just so everyone's clear. That would be so great. Every Lions fan would be like, "What? No way!" But Tua is so awesome. It's like, oh, is he really? I like Tua. Yeah, I have nothing wrong with Tua. I think he's just okay. But I haven't seen enough out of him yet to, he's to, play, make, yeah, to, he's make, like nine games. to make a full adjustment. <laughs> and he gets that. benched every time he throws an incompletion. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, when you throw four yards a pass, I mean, Jesus, like, help him out a little bit. But regardless, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing the Lions do it. And we got the guy that, you know, the Rams make big day trades like that, right? Yeah, this is trade. We'll trade our first round pick to get Deshaun Watson. Do you want to trade like three first round picks for Deshaun Watson though? Yeah, but do you have to though? He doesn't want to be there. You know he's unhappy, and we're gonna take on his number. We're gonna take on his contract. Mm, right? Oh, but then you take him. Then we have we're paying quarterbacks like a hundred million dollars over here. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta, you gotta trade Stafford. You're gonna now. trade Stafford, but then you're gonna take that nineteen million dollar pay kit anyway. So yeah, then yeah. you're just losing all your yeah, money. But you got Deshaun Watson, man. And you see what he did with no defense. <laughs> I don't. That's so you went four and twelve. But that's. But it, that isn't that the isn't that the microcosm of Detroit fan fanhood though a little bit right there is that you throw that out there and you go okay but look at it logistically yeah. it does not it, it's impossible to work yeah. like that. If like, you do it with Russell Wilson, I'd be fine because I've seen what he does with no defense. He goes yeah exactly yeah exactly and then just get mauled. Listen, but, I'll <laughs> take ten and six and mauled in a playoff game. No no I'm not no, blaming no, Russ. I'm saying poor bastard. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was at least, at least the Lions have an ounce of offense. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's true. That is the one thing Bob Quinn did a very nice job of, of building yeah, this offensive we have, line. We have an ounce of offensive line now. That is true. All right, that's going to be it for this week's show, though, guys. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking the Royal Rumble, giving our predictions on who's going to win the Rumble, going to reviewing that card. By the way, spoiler, it's a crapshoot. Um, we're going to be talking about that. We're probably going to be talking you know, more Lions talk as well once we kind of get final word, depending on what happens here. If we get like some sort of, especially if the Saints lose, we're definitely going to get confirmation really quickly if he's the guy um, for the head coaching spot, what the plan is, any introductory press conferences. We're going to talk about that. Be sure, once again, to tune in later this week. We are going to have a quick hitter episode for the AFC and NFC Conference Championship game. So please don't miss that. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please go ahead and do so. We've been around for two years, guys. Like, come on, help a brother out. Go ahead, subscribe to the show. Like us on Facebook. Like us on. Follow us on Twitter. Um, follow us somewhere you get your streaming sites. And go to belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm Always Right PC to find our official I'm Always Right PC logo shirt. Um, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support once again. That's going to be it for this week's show. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he's the Mark Stone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan. And we will see you guys, as always, next time.